because he lives. And then one day across the river I'll find life's final war with pain. And then as death gives way to somebody around you there tell them it's good to see you today Well, good morning. It's good to welcome to our Sunday school hour. Good to see you this morning. All of the uh, nursery workers, all the ladies that, that help out in the nursery, will be having a meeting with you at 6.30 Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Thursday, and we will provide a meal so you can come hungry, and uh, we'll feed you something, bologna sandwiches or something, but... <laughs> This Thursday, 6.30, and um, we appreciate that. Our, uh, the new devotional's here, uh, so there'll be some out here front and also back here on this, uh, this table, and uh, so you need to pick that up, and then also um, these cards are here for you to take and invite people to church, so... Um, We've we've had the been using these for many many years, uh, so I guess I guess folks must like it since nobody has complained about it. So, so uh, pick up some of those. That's they're there so that you can use them to invite people to church. Also, the uh, Bible reading schedule is out there. 
the new new schedule. This is uh, actually began in March. Are we still in March? Yeah, this is still March, isn't it? Begin in March. We were talking a while ago about how fast time goes by as you get older, and and so now you know it seems like you have Sunday, and you wake up the next morning and it's Sunday again. So. <laughs> Also, uh, these are free, the Revival Fires. If, if you uh, like to read sermons, that's mostly what that is. It's a sermon preached by very famous preachers, and uh, so you'll enjoy it. So pick, you up, a, pick up a copy of that. I, I'm not sure if these are monthly or bimonthly. Do you know, Matt? They're monthly? Okay. Okay. All right. All uh, right. Anybody have a birthday this past week? Have a birthday, okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. For my brother Michael, is he the only one that's sick? Is it just Michael or is it the kids? Right, brother Mike is out sick today. Pray for him. And um, there are others that I look around. We, of course, we have several folks that are gone. Uh, they're on taking vacation. You know, people now to get too many vacations, don't they? It's, uh, and I hate it when uh, when they miss a Sunday. No matter, even if they got a vacation, they should be in church. If people say, well, we were there in spirit, but we attended church nowhere, and I said, that doesn't count for us. We don't want no spirits hanging around here, you know, when, if you're not here, we, we, we don't count that spirit. So. <laughs> All right, if you have an unspoken request, raise your hand. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessings on, on the offering. Pray for the those that are traveling, uh, Mike and his family, and... Uh, I don't know, there's two or three others that told me they were going to be gone. I can't remember all of them, but uh, remember them. The Lord knows who it is. Remember them when you go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, Brother Carnes, would you lead us?
Amen. Right, we're studying uh, the book of First Corinthians here in our Sunday school hour. So, if you would turn to First Corinthians chapter three, we started last last week looking at the judgment seat of Christ. You understand uh, that the judgment seat of Christ it is only for Christians. It's not to determine whether you're going to heaven or hell. It's to determine the number of rewards and what the rewards will be. And it's different from the great white throne judgment where only lost people will be and they'll be judged also for their works but not to receive rewards but to, to determine the degree of punishment they'll receive throughout eternity. And um, so we've come, we looked... Um, we, we were looking last time, where there were some words here that in this portion that that I wanted us to look at, and we are kind of uh, centering the lessons around those words. And the first one was there in uh, verse 10, chapter 3, verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. And that was the first word that we were looking at, <clears throat> the word master builder. And then uh, he said, uh, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon. And verse uh, 10, uh, 11, he says, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so um, here we're introduced to the foundation itself. Paul talked about the being the builder, master builder, wise master builder. And so, um, what is what is this foundation that Paul Paul's really? What is what is foundational to Christianity? <clears throat> what is it? Is is it is it our ethics? Is is it our um, morals? Is it the fact that we're kind to people and we're gentle and loving and we take care of the poor? What what is the foundation of Christianity? 
Is it tradition? Is it historical? Uh, what is it? For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is, and of course the Bible doesn't leave it for us to guess ourselves. It tells us what that foundation is. Jesus Christ. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Christ is the foundation of Christianity. Without Christ, there would be no Christianity. Uh, someone has said that the, the word Christianity, it means Christ in, Christ in. <clears throat> and the Bible says Christ in you, the hope of glory. When we get saved, Christ comes to live in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so we can only build on on that foundation. You've got to have that right foundation. The, the only true foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, now, in a sense, the um, you can refer to the whole Word of God as being the foundation because because uh, the Bible says in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So the Lord Jesus is referred to as the Word. He's the Word of God. <clears throat> uh, so, and in Matthew, in Matthew uh, 16, uh, when the Lord asked, who, you know, who do men say that I am? And he asked his disciples, and, and, and uh, Peter then made the statement that uh, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, and upon this rock, talking about that statement that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, I'll build my church. So, um, so in, in, in a sense, the foundation is the whole of the Word of God. Apostolic doctrine, back, back uh, when, when uh, this is before the church had been established and you have the uh, the word of God that came to the apostles and they then taught the people before they had the canon of scriptures like we do. And uh, that was referred to as apostolic doctrine. It was all about Christ. The gospels were, were written to give us the history of the life of Christ. The epistles or the letters were written to give us commentary on that life and, and to draw principles from that life. And the book of Revelation is written to tell us that Christ is yet alive and reigning and will return. The whole, the whole uh, New Testament is Christ. Christ, his life on earth in the gospel. Christ active in the church in the book of Acts. And Christ's work commented on, explained in the epistles. Christ coming again in Revelation. It's all Christ. They laid the Apostles' doctrine is the foundation, the doctrines concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. You cannot build on any other foundation than that. There are no new foundations. Christianity doesn't need a new foundation. <clears throat> we can't have a Christianity with a human Jesus. The liberals are trying to build a Christian building without a foundation if they have a human Jesus. And the Catholics are trying to build a building on tradition rather than the doctrines of Christ. Some people are trying to build on top of a foundation of good works, and others on the foundation of ethical humanism, uh, some on the foundation of pseudoscience. Some people are trying to build 
their lives on morality and ethics and good deeds and all these things. But the only foundation for a life and the only foundation for corporate life, which is the church, is Jesus Christ. If that foundation goes, then everything falls. And that's precisely what's happening in our world today. Uh, the church is trying to build itself without the true foundation. An individual trying to build a meaningful life on something other than Jesus Christ find it impossible. He's the only foundation upon which a man may build a fitting temple for God. In Acts chapter 4, you remember that Peter was taken into the Sanhedrin. Uh, the Sanhedrin, that was that group of uh, rabbis, men who were, who were knowledgeable of the law, the, the Old Testament law. And uh, it was composed of 70, 70 men. That was the word Sanhedrin means 70. And uh, it is believed that, that this this uh, came into being because back when Moses was alive and he was judging the people and his father-in-law Jethro uh, told him, he said, you know, you need to choose some men to help you because there's too many people here for one man to rule over and to judge and all that. And, <clears throat> and at that time, there were several million of them. And so you can imagine with the uh, form of communication they had in that day, not nothing like what we have today, that uh, it would be, it'd be an impossibility for one man to speak to all those people and, and to judge them, you know, and they'd come to him with their individual judgments and all that. And so, uh, so the result of all that was that there were 70 men chosen that were to help Moses in the judging of the people. And, um, and so it's, it's believed that this is, you know, kind of continuation of that. Seventy men making up the Sanhedrin. And, um, but, the, but by this time, uh, Judaism, the religion of Judaism, uh, had, what, had become so corrupted that, that it, it didn't resemble anything that God had given them in the Old Testament, the, the law of God. They had, they had added all kinds of different laws, kind of things, you know, that really were just silly stuff. But, um, but it's all tradition. It's tradition, you know. They, they, um, and and there, there were not many, if any, if any of these people that were really that really knew uh, God in in salvation. You see, when, when you come into the New Testament, the temple has been destroyed. It had been destroyed several hundred years earlier. And without a temple, without, a, without an altar, without a place to make the sacrifices and offerings, uh, they, they had no place, you know, where they could go for to have their sins atoned for. And, uh, and so during, during that period of time, you have between the Testaments, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you have what's called the 400 silent years. That, that was a time when God was not speaking to men. He was, there was no word from God during that 400 silent years. But whenever you come into the New Testament then, uh, you find them going to synagogues. They were going to synagogues uh, to worship. 
but there there were no offerings being made. And this is why why the Jews have you know they uh, they there's a lack there if they don't have a place they don't have the altar don't have a place that they can make the sacrifices and the offerings and all. But um, but these these men on the Sanhedrin there um, Nicodemus was one of them. And you know he Nicodemus came to the Lord by night in John chapter three, and the um, and the Lord Jesus said to him even though he was a religious man and a and a member of the Sanhedrin. Jesus said to him, you need to be born again. See, he wasn't saved. He needed to be born again. So, um, so the, the, um, the Sanhedrin and then on these, these rabbis, all these people that were religious people and claiming to, to uh, be keeping the religion of the Jews, uh, these were not saved people. However, most of the early Christians were Jews that had come to know Christ as their personal Savior. They had accepted him as, his, as their Messiah. And, um, but but the, uh, when, the, when the Lord chose these apostles, God was then speaking to them, not, uh, not just to them. There, you know, I'm sure there were many others that God would speak to and appear, you know, and have, uh, they would, he would appear to them and give the, his word in visions and dreams, things like this. Um, because they didn't have the complete canon of scripture. This was being, this was being uh, formed uh, during, during the days of the early church. So, uh, so they were not building, the Jews were not, they were not building on the right foundation. There was no, and they did, they did not, you know, did not go by the uh, word of God, the real word of God. And and they were trusting in tradition, trusting in works, you know, things that, that they were doing. And uh, and that's, we know that doesn't work. I've told you a number of times how, before I got saved, when I was, when I was 13 years old, I, Went for it. I I was under conviction. I can remember, you know, wanting to be saved. I, I, you know, I thought, you know, I I would like to be saved. I'd see people go forward in church and and uh, you know some of the guys in school that I knew and all, um, they you know they were some of them had got saved and and so it got me to thinking. Now we were going to church. We, we were, my mom taking us to Eastside Baptist Church over in Haines City. That's where I grew up, and um, and I can remember thinking, you know, I, I would like to be saved. I want to know that that when I die, I'll go to heaven. And so I went forward one Sunday, but uh, but I didn't know I didn't know how to be saved. I didn't know, you know, what you were to do, and nobody showed me. When I went forward, um, uh, the preacher told me, he said, "Have a seat," and um, so the lady came over and she. Took my name and address, and she and she said, uh, "Do you want to be baptized?" And I said, "If you're supposed to, I guess, yeah. If you're supposed to, and and so that was it. There was nothing about salvation, nothing about accepting Christ, nothing about asking forgiveness of sins, nothing like that. And so they took me out uh, one one uh, Sunday after church. They took me out to a lake. Uh, a lot of churches back in those days didn't have a baptistry in the church, so 
you had to go out to a lake and uh, they dunked me under the water and I became a church member. But I wasn't saved. But if people were to ask me, are you a Christian? I'd say, yeah, because I, I was a church member. There's a lot of people going, going to be in hell because they joined the church thinking that was all that was needed to be saved. And, uh, and that's why I want, when people come forward in our church, I want somebody there to deal with them, to show them how to have their needs met. And uh, this is why we ask, you know, uh, especially Sunday school teachers, uh, anybody that knows how to lead somebody to the Lord, uh, you know, you come, you come on down, come to the front. And uh, a lot of times, if, if somebody sees somebody else going, and they're on the verge of going, but they're just kind of embarrassed. A lot of times they see others coming, then they will come too. And um, so I, that's another reason I like for folk, our, our people, the teachers, and I like for them to come down as soon as the invitation starts. I don't want anybody to leave here that's come, that has come forward and, and, not, and not being dealt with. If, if, if they need to be saved, show them how to be saved. If somebody wants to rededicate their life, to have somebody there to pray with them and, and uh, help them with that. Or if they just have a prayer, they just want to pray about something, to have somebody there with them to pray with them about whatever that need is. That's so important. But, uh, but see, I, I went through all those years. I was almost 22 years old when I got saved. I was just a few, uh, well, a month, a month before... Uh, I was going to be turning 22, and um, but I, you know, when I, and then after I'd met Janice, and I realized, you know, there's a difference in her life and and uh, and mine. Even though I'm a church member, I uh, I know, you know, there was thing you've heard me tell about before when I call and ask for a date, I ask her to go to the drive-in movie, and she said she didn't go to the movies. And uh, something else I asked, and she just didn't do that either. I think it was some kind of dance maybe or something. She didn't do that either. And I said, well, what do you do? And she said, well, or where do you go? Or where will you go? And she said, I'll go to church with you. And I said, okay, let's go to church. <laughs> so uh, she, was, she was coming to the old uh, First Bible Baptist Church, which evolved into Central Baptist Church later on. But... Um, and I came, and, and, but, but her life, you know, her life, the way she lived and all that. But see, she, she thought I was saved because I was a church member, and I thought it was. If you were to ask me, I'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But um, my idea, my idea of being saved would be when we stood before the Lord. After you die, you stood before the Lord. The Lord was going to take all of the bad things you've ever done in your life and put them over here on this scale. And all the good things you've ever done in your life, put them over here on this scale, and whichever one outweighed the other, that would determine whether you went to heaven or hell. That was my idea. And I'll tell you what, probably 75% of people in America, they still think that's the way you get saved. It's not till you stand before the Lord, and then that'll be determined. Well, see, that's not what the judgment seat of Christ is about. There's nobody at the judgment seat of Christ but saved people. And this will be after, after we have this will be after we're in heaven, and and um, I believe in Revelation chapter four is a picture of the rapture, 
And then uh, also in that chapter, it talks about the crowns being given. Well, where are they given? They're given at the judgment seat of Christ. So that'll be taking place while the tribulation period is taking place here on the earth. In heaven, the judgment seat of Christ will be taking place and the rewards will be uh, given out. <clears throat> and uh, but, it, but it's only, only to determine the judgment seat of Christ is determined the rewards, you know, what rewards, how many, you know, to what extent, and all of that. I believe that, that in those what is spoken of as crowns in the book of Revelation, but I think that in that, in that, uh, the, the root, you know, the, what, what this will consist of will be the amount of rulership that we'll have. Uh, some people may, you know, be ruled over an entire state, some over a county, some over a city. Um, you know, you, you probably have heard preachers say, you know, I'd be, I'd be satisfied to be a dog catcher in heaven. That's not going to be in heaven. There's not going to be dog catchers in heaven. Uh, they won't be needed. But, uh, but first of all, the rewards they're given are, are not for being, you know, for you to be a dog catcher. It's to determine the amount of ruling and reigning that you will do uh, throughout eternity. And um, so, so, you know, approach, approach the teaching about the judgment seat of Christ like this. It is not to judge you for your sins. Your sins have already been forgiven. If you've accepted Christ, your sins have already been forgiven. All the sins you've ever committed, the sins you commit daily, and the one that you'll commit in the future, they're already forgiven. You will not be held accountable for your sins at the judgment seat of Christ. It will only be to determine the, the, the rewards that you're going to receive. Now, I mentioned last week that there, there's two sets of things that are mentioned here. There's wood, hay, and stubble. There's gold, silver, and precious stone. The, the wood, hay, and stubble is going to be burned up. That's, those are things that you did that you were not doing for the glory of God. You were doing maybe for your own glory, but you were not being led to the Holy Spirit in it. Um, and so it's going to be burned. You don't, you don't receive rewards for that. But the gold, silver, and precious stones, that's, those are the things that you'll be receiving rewards for. And... Um, and in that, that's all. That's the things that are done, you know, with the right motive. Your motive is right in doing it. Uh, it's for the glory of God. You're doing it for the glory of God. Um, the Bible, the Bible says, whatsoever you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Everything that we do as Christians is to be for the glory of God. So, so that will be the uh, what what it's all about. But the, uh, but the uh, foundation there is the Lord Jesus Christ, and we, and we, build, we build on that. And I, I started to mention in Acts chapter 4, you remember that Peter was taken into the Sanhedrin because they didn't like the message that he was preaching about the res resurrection. Uh, especially the Sadducees. You had the Pharisees, you had the Sadducees. Those were... Two, two different groups within Judaism. The Sadducees, they were also in the religion of Judaism. 
But the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the supernatural. And uh, so uh, Peter preaching about the resurrection, that got the Sadducees been all out of shape. And, uh, and, and some of these people, some of these men, Sadducees, they would also be members of the Sanhedrin. It wasn't just Pharisees. So um, they, uh, they had healed this lame man. They went into the temple. The guy was there begging, you know, alms for the poor, alms for the poor. And Peter said, well, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee, get up and walk. And that's better than money anytime, isn't it, to be healed, to be able to walk again, not being able to walk before that. And the Bible says the guy jumped up and leaped, praising the Lord, went through the temple, yelling his head off, and, and just really happy that now that now uh, he, he was healed and able to walk. And, and by the way, that was the only true worship going on in that place that day was from that lame man. In verse 10 then, said they brought him before the council. And Peter said, you know, Peter, you didn't have any problem. Uh, Peter never had any problem saying what was on his mind. He said, be it known unto you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him, that this man stand before you whole. Jesus Christ did this. He's pointing this out. Jesus did this. Jesus of Nazareth, raised by God from the dead. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders to become the head of the corner. He said, you, you, tried to get rid, you tried to get rid of this. You tried to get rid of this teaching about Christ, but you, you can't do that, you see. That's the only foundation. There's no other foundation to build on. So when you try to get rid of that, you have, you, you have nothing. Peter referred to the only cornerstone. You tried to substitute Jewish ethics, the Old Testament, your tradition, your laws, your rules. You rejected the true foundation. But in spite of that, it's become the head of the corner. And he went on and said, For neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among, among men whereby we must be saved. And so, boy, that upset them because he was uh, very bold, but he was simply telling them there's no other foundation. You may, you may try to set Jesus aside, but he's the only foundation on which a life can be built, on which a faith can be built, and on which a nation can be built. The Bible says that righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. So, uh, Jesus Christ, the foundation, the chief cornerstone, and, and everything else has to be built on, on that. You know, uh, just this past week, and I'm sure that if you've talked to anybody, witnessed anybody yourself, uh, you've had this to happen. I've had this happen many, numerous times. But even just this past week, a fellow I was talking to, he said he didn't think you had to go to church to be a Christian. He said, he said I'm a Christian and, but he said, I don't go to church. I don't think you have to go to church. He said, I can worship God, you know, anywhere. I said, that's true. You can worship the Lord anywhere. But, uh, but if you're not attending church because uh, 
The Lord established the church. The Lord Jesus himself, he established the church. And there's a reason he did it. And although you, you may be a Christian and not go to church, but it's not very likely. It's not very likely. And um, I said, if I, if I were, were you, if I was trusting in whatever it is that you're trusting in, but you don't feel the need to be in church, to be a part of the body of Christ, then if I were you, I'd do some real serious investigating as to whether or not you ever really got saved. And then I asked him, what did you do, by the way, what did you do uh, to be saved? And um, But he had heard enough, he didn't want to hear any more. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite sure the guy's just, he's lost, he's not not saved at all. But, uh, but see, the Obedience to the Lord is, is one of the, that's one of the um, ways of worshiping the Lord. If you're not obedient, then you're not truly worshiping. The, uh, you know, remember Samuel said to uh, Saul, King Saul, he said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience. And uh, see, if you're not going to church, if you're not in church, then you're not obedient because the Bible says not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That word assembling there comes from the same root word we get the word church. You can say not forsaking the churching of yourself together. And, um, and so if you're not, you know, if you're not in church like that guy said he didn't go to church, didn't believe in it, uh, then then what you're doing is you're, you're, you're not just rejecting, you're rejecting the Lord, you're rejecting his word where he says that we're we're to be obedient to him, and but to be obedient by being in church. So, um, so the the foundation, um, the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of Christ, He's the only foundation. There there can there can be no life, no church, no nation, no home, no family, no nothing with a lasting value unless it's built on Jesus Christ. Of the foundation can no man lay. I was a master builder, Paul said, Jesus the foundation. And then the third, the third point, once the foundation is laid, now this assumes that we're Christians, the foundation is laid. On top of that foundation comes number three, the materials. How are we going to build on the foundation of Christ? Now just get this in your mind. You've got a foundation out there. You're looking it over on this lot and all there is of the foundation and you're going to build your life. There's only one foundation. But did you know that there are many materials with which you can build? And and you will you will be you will be building. They all all of this has a they has a place in building. Many different materials that we use. You build a house, you know, you there'll be Wood, you'll have the wood, you'll have the blocks, you'll have the uh, wiring, you'll have the plumbing, you have, you know, the piping, all, all that stuff. There, all of that goes into the building. So how, how are we going to build on the foundation of Christ? Many different materials used. I think this is an admission that all churches won't, won't end up being the same any more than all Christians will. You know, there'll be gold Christians, 
And they'll be stable Christians. They'll all be Christians because they'll all be building on the foundation of Christ. There'll be gold churches also. Silver churches, precious stone type churches. And there'll also be stubble churches. They'll all be Christian, but some will have an eternal value. Some will make a, an eternal contribution. Others, well, they're just, uh, you know, they're just varieties of materials. And I think that's an important point because it shows us the Spirit of God knew that there would be varying kinds of Christians and varying kinds of churches. And you need to evaluate them in that sense. People ask me sometimes, uh, why, are there so, why are there so many different denominations? You have Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, Church of God. Uh, why are there so many different denominations? Well, I think uh, just just like there's so many different kinds of churches. I think I think some of them are gold, and some of them are silver, and some are precious stone, and some are wood, hay, and stubble. You say, which one is central? Central. Well, we'll find out one day, won't we? But I hope that we're we're the gold, silver, and precious stone. And I and I, my belief is that we are. If if not, then we would change it. We would become that because. Uh, you know, I think that what we're doing it ought it ought to be it ought to count for eternity. You know, you take for example, you're going to build a building. Just uh, say it's a, the temple of God. Say so it's going to be for God. It's going to be for His praise and His honor. And that's what uh, verse 16 and 17 is talking about. In a sense, look at it. He said, "Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you." If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Now, uh, so we're, we're going we're gonna to build, we're, we're going to put this material in that we're going to build on the foundation. And uh, <clears throat> so here you're gathering the material. Now just, uh, let's say that the precious stone there uh, refers to granite or, or marble, you know, something that that's gonna, it's going to last. It's not going to be burned up. And if you're going to build a, a lasting building, then granite or marble would be, would be good, wouldn't it? A great, solid granite marble being overlaid with gold and silver, that'd be a good building. But you know what some Christians do? They build, they build it out of wood, wood frames around the doors, windows, and then hay, you know what hay was used for back then? It was to mix with mud to make bricks. And the stubble, uh, the stubble, that, you know, like roofing material, stuff, stuff like that. And here's the guy, he's got, he's with the same resources, the same spirit, same power. And he says, here, 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 God, here it is. How do you like it? Wood, hay, and stubble. Well, you know what, what happens to that, don't you? Because we, we read here what happens to woodhead and stubble. Does the last going to be burned up? Here's another Christian over here, granite, stone, or granite, gold, and silver. Now, let me, let me point something out to you. Woodhead and stubble is not evil. You know, it's not evil. It's not wicked. 
it's just worthless. It's just zero. When the fire's put to it, put to it, what happens? It's no more, isn't it? It's burned up. It, there, there's none there. It's just all, all gone. And um, the gold, silver, and precious stone. What about what about that? I think that the you know the things that that you're uh, sacrificing for uh, the the things that are godlike, Christlike, in terms of uh, you know attitude and deed and all. Uh, I, I think those things that would be the goal. That would be that that's you know you're going to receive the greatest reward for the goal. Silver is next. You know silver is a little less expensive than gold and, uh, you know, not as precious. But, uh, but the silver would be next to that and then the precious stone would be next to that. But the, but the wood hand stubble, wood hand stubble, uh, the, there are things that we do and, and you know, they, they may be good temporarily. It may be something's good temporarily. Um, But it's not, it's not of eternal value. There's no eternal value to it. So it's going it's, it's to be burned up. It's not, it's not fitting, so to speak. So uh, the, the reward is going to be based on whether those things that we, we did fit in that category of gold, silver, and precious stones. You know, um, people people can come to church and they say, "Well, you know, I'm I'm doing my duty. I'm doing my duty. I'm there," but their heart's not in it, and and it's just they just do it out of a sense of duty. It's not it's not because they want to, but they do it. You know, they come. You know, I think that's what had stubble. All coming to church is a good thing. That's a good thing. But if your motive is not right, you understand? If your motive's not right, the things that you do and your motive's not right, you only do it, you know, just kind of in a mechanical sense, you know, a professional, professional sense. You know, people that, uh, that sing, if they're not doing that for the glory of God, even though, even though they might, you know, they might be people here, I like to hear them and, they have a good voice and all that, but if their motive's not right in it, wood, hay, and stubble. Nothing evil about it, but it's just not of eternal value. And so it, it will be burned up. So I, you know, I think in the two lessons we had here on the judgment seat of Christ, I hope that there's been a help if there are things you know that you didn't know and things that you had questions about. I hope that this has cleared all, all that up. Let's bow our heads now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for the Sunday school lesson this morning. And I pray that you bless it to our lives and help us to have a greater understanding of your word and Lord uh, and, and of the judgment seat of Christ and what really be taking place. I pray that you'd uh, help us each one that that we would have the right motive in the things that we do for the Lord and, and, and that they be for the Lord and not for our own glory. 
Lord, I pray that you bless the service to follow. I pray that you save those that are lost. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be starting our preaching service now in a couple of minutes. I invite you to stay with us. <laughs> 